Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by brave, bold, Brian Marceau. I want to say it's not good to be here, guys, but look, it, all, it always is. Uh, no matter the topic, man, it, it's, it's still good to talk Vandal football after a good game. And last but not least, producer, seducer, <laughs> Martin Eamstrom. <laughs> It's good to be back again, as always. It sucks that it's in these circumstances, but always fun to be on, like Brian said. We're just going to jump right into Around the Bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expeditions, guys. The first season of the Jason Eck era comes to a close. A Southeastern Louisiana takes down the Idaho Vandals 45-42 to in the first round of the NCAA playoffs. Uh, Ricardo Chavez slipped on the turf and just missed a potential game-tying field goal with under 10 seconds to play. Idaho led 21 to 10 with under five minutes left in the first half, but a lackluster third quarter from the Vandals was capped off with a red zone interception thrown by a very obviously hobbled Giovanni McCoy. The Lions took four plays to drive 80 yards, opened up a 31-21 lead very early in the fourth. Uh, the teams traded off scores and leads until McCoy's second interception of the night uh, with 4-12 to play gave SLU the lead for good as they returned that for 48 yards, pick six to make it 45-35. to Ultimately, the story of the game here, uh, to me, Idaho's three turnovers, countless, countless, countless missed tackles. It was all just too much to overcome. Uh, they allowed the Lions to control the time of possession with 33 minutes total, and the Lions gained 224 rushing yards on 48 carries. Obviously, we're going to have a lot of negatives to talk about as, again, the season is over. But, Martin, what went well today? I I think the uh, – I'm going to – I'd say just them keeping things interesting was kind of, and it's kind of like a weird thing to say, but that's the only thing I can think of is what went well. It never, it just it was always, it was interesting the entire season, this that season, the game today. Yeah. I'm going to go a little, a little different direction, Martin, because look, I'm pissed that Idaho lost 45, 42, but Idaho hung 42 points on a playoff team, a, a good playoff team. You know, SLU is not like Davidson or some or Elon or some shitty team that had no business playing any good teams in November. You know, Idaho almost has both teams have just under 500 total yards, which means Idaho, you know, Idaho outgained SLU 465 total yards on the game. Uh, Giovanni McCoy, Dallas brought up McCoy clearly hobbled that knee injury. The, you know, that we were told that we don't have specific diagnosis or anything looked like McCoy was, cl it clearly impacted his throws. It impacted his ability to move. Dude still goes uh, 19 to 26 for 343 yards and two touchdowns. Hayden Hatton had some magic nine receptions for 209 yards, guys. That's like Lolo Talimu Jones level production and a touchdown. Uh, Jermaine Jackson showed up with a receiving touchdown and a kicking touchdown. Uh, you know, this was a back and forth game. Again, it sucks where we're at with the loss. This was entertaining as hell. It was back and forth because offensively, this is, I mean, we saw the actualization to me of what everyone hoped Idaho would look like offensively, rotating between being able to move the ball through the air or on the ground as needed, adjusting play calling to the situation. The 42 points is a real good number to hit. And we hit that because Idaho offensively, like there, a lot of things went well, both on the ground through the air, man, with an injured quarterback, still McCoy made a lot of throws. So that to me is what went well, man. You, you score 42 points against the playoff team. Your offense has to be doing a thing or two, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Brian, you said it. The they scored forty two points. They punted one time. Hayden Hatton, nine receptions, 209 yards and a touchdown. Jermaine Jackson, five receptions, 111 yards, one touchdown. Obviously, the offense was doing very well in a in a game that they turned the ball over three times and that the starting quarterback very obviously could not get his full body into his throws. A couple of times, it, it just looked like he was shot putting it out there. Couldn't fully step in. We don't know the extent of the knee injury, but he definitely didn't look 100%. Would have been interesting to see what this game would have been with McCoy at 100% or with a different quarterback in that was able to to step around a little bit more. Again, 343 yards from McCoy, a 19 for 26, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Had a pretty good game, but he only gained uh, 10 yards on the ground. Just not the not the running performance you'd expect from McCoy. Um, just couldn't you know couldn't get it done in the end there. But again, you put up 42 points on a playoff team. You punted once. You get rid of those turnovers. This is this is probably a different ball game. Um, that I think leads us into what didn't go well, Martin. Uh, I'm going to say some of like the the interceptions was the big one for me, like the big ones in the second half. Yeah, the McCoy threw a couple picks. One was one was he he got hit as he was go as he released the ball, but that was just clearly the wrong throw. There were two dudes who could have picked off those passes. But the the place I'm going to stick is like Idaho scores 42 points and loses. That obviously means defense was just not what it needed to be. Uh, honestly, you look either direction doesn't matter. Like look on the ground or through the air. Uh, credit to Dallas pronunciation of SLU's head coach. It's Frank Cephalo. Selfo. Selfo. Man, uh, congrats to that dude. He clearly watched the tape on Idaho Sacramento State and how Asher O'Hara was the guy who gave Idaho trouble. He he played the passing quarterback Jesse Britt. What for one play Dallas something like that. Then stuck with Cephas Johnson the third, the running quarterback who can pass. Easily, obviously, he passed well enough against so Idaho. You're actually you're looking at Britt is the running back that threw a fake pa- that threw a pass. The, court, the second quarterback, the throwing quarterback, is Ryan Sawyer. He did not actually attempt a pass. He was in for the first drive. They punted. They immediately okay. went to Johnson for the rest of the game. Thank you for that correction. That absolutely matters. But yeah, basic point being, Selfo knew Selfo saw like okay, passing quarterbacks not the issue. Running quarterback Cephas Johnson the third man, eighteen to twenty eight through the air for two hundred eight yards. Uh, no touchdowns, but he completed his passes well enough. A couple backbreaking receptions also. But man, on the ground, 248 rushes. Sorry, 48 rushes for 241 yards, 224 net yards. You know, if you factor in the sacks, 241 gained, four rushing touchdowns. Idaho just just couldn't stop uh, SLU. Honestly, either direction too, because at 45-42, you know, not a lot of punts in this game. Uh, not not. I don't think there are any turnovers for for SLU. Were there Dallas? No, yeah, no tur- no turnovers for SLU, man. That's which is uncharacteristic of Idaho's defense this year, which led the Big Sky in force picks. So, I mean that, that that to me is the big one I'm I'm looking at. You know, there's there's more things we can touch on later, but I, look, we've we've seen Rob Orch's team make adjustments in the second half in a ton of games. And early, I thought honestly thought after the first few possessions, Idaho looked like they'd win the game by about two scores. But credit SLU, man, they made adju- made adjustments. They stuck with what worked, and they're moving on to next week. Yeah, I, honestly, just not 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 great from Idaho's perspective here. Um, obviously, like 
hats off to to coach selfo and the entire slu staff for for figuring out and we're, we're getting comments uh in the chat by the way from the uh southeastern louisiana folks sawyer actually wasn't available tonight so apparently they just didn't throw the ball i just didn't notice that on the first drive uh so johnson played the entire game uh which again maybe sawyer was was out and that was not the plan and it just happened to, to fall this way I am I'm going to give Selfo credit for doing this because the Idaho didn't have an answer. Obviously, they put up 45 points. Uh Johnson didn't have a, a throwing touchdown, but he did have two touchdowns on the ground. Um, and a couple of different backbreaking runs were just okay, hey, we're forcing him to fourth down, getting off the field. And then instead he'd rip off a 20-yard run and it was it was it was just over. Uh defense just couldn't get off the field. What didn't go well to me is that the defense just looked so undisciplined. It looked like like Idaho was making the correct call most of the time. There were a couple different throws over the middle of the field that were just wide open, but a lot of big plays, um, especially some of Jesse Britt's. Uh, Jesse Britt looked phenomenal, by the way, the, the running back for SLU. Uh, 13 carries, 107 yards. Uh, excuse me, 106 yards. He did get wrapped up in the backfield once. Um, some of his biggest plays were where he gets – hit in the backfield and then still pulls off a, a 20 yard rush. That was the biggest problem for me. It looked like the defense lost all discipline, all gap coverage, all ability to just to take the right line and tackle. Just a, lot, a lot of broken arm tackles, mm-hmm. huge, huge number of those. It was, it was Idaho playing their worst game of the season in the worst time possible. Uh, you, you play a game like this against UC Davis. I know that UC Davis was the, the last Vandal loss. It was, a bit of a blowout. You play like this against UC Davis, and you probably don't don't lose by three game points in the playoffs. You you lose a whole lot more to a to a team like UC Davis. So it's really tough, really tough to go out on the season with with a note like this, where it was a pretty mediocre performance in most phases of the game. Um, guys, I, I have a feeling we know who the two answers are here, but player of the game on the offense for the Mammals. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and that and he just keeps producing in every single and he's every he's makes plays every time he gets the ball. I'm gonna go in the opposite direction as an opposite side of the field. Hayden Hatton had a kick-ass game, man. I cannot credit him enough, but the dude who seemed to will Idaho back on his own in that fourth quarter, late third into the fourth quarter, Jermaine wide receiver Jermaine Jackson. Five receptions for 111 yards and one receiving touchdown. Huge receiving touchdown for Jackson. And that kickoff return for a touchdown is honestly what gave Idaho life in the fourth quarter. Idaho's down 10 with not not that much. I don't remember the minutes, Dallas. We can look it up. Idaho's down 10 before Jackson returns that kick. And I, I, honestly, in our group thread, I was we were, we were all messaging like, hey, guys, kick-ass season, whatever. It was good. And then Jackson wills Idaho back with that, man. That was this felt like it was a game through the first three quarters for Idaho offensively. Huge, huge amount of that's Hayden Hatton. And he just, Hayden Hatton's just, just damn good. Thank God he's a redshirt sophomore. But Jermaine Jackson, huge. Some of the hugest plays of the season in keeping uh, keeping Idaho in it at the end. So he, that's my offensive game ball. Yeah, so just to give the numbers for what Brian's saying there. So in my quick little recap of the game to start the show, I mentioned uh, McCoy throwing an interception right there at the end of the third quarter that then Sela or SLU, whichever you prefer to call them, took it four plays, 80 yards, scored. That was with 14-16 left uh, in the game. That made it 31-21. 
Then the very next kickoff, Jackson took 95 yards for the score. Then after that, farther into the fourth quarter, when McCoy throws the pick six with 412 on the clock, uh, then with 323 on the clock, Jackson catches a 70-yard touchdown. So I've got to go Jermaine Jackson as well because of the two damn near 100-yard plays he scored in the fourth quarter to, like you said, Brian, it felt like he was trying to will Idaho back into the into the game, uh, especially as... Yours truly might have tried to jinx it, uh, both in our uh, hashtag OnlyTubs Discord and on Twitter. I have this incredible ability to jinx things, so I thought I was going to use my magic, and it just didn't quite get there in the end. But this one is going to be a little bit harder to answer. Player of the game on the defense, Martin. I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to try and read stats to find somebody. I can't think of anybody up for defense. I'm not that far off. Um, I mean, Favai led the team in tackles with 12. Um, it's really hard to pick a defensive player of the game when Idaho gives up 45 points. So just, you know, this is going to be kind of like, um, you know, when, when people get awards for just, you know, career output, um, I'm going to go with Paul Moala for having a kick-ass season, having some, you know, a few big, few big plays. But I, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think any of the defensive players or Rob Orich would, if they were on here, would say, okay, well, this is this was the MVP. The, the team gave up 45 points and got beaten in all phases defensively. So I am going to shout out one player. I thought Kamari Bailey had the defensive impact play of the game, uh, sacking Cephas Johnson. The only time the Vandals had a sack, obviously did not have any turnovers. It was third and six on the drive directly after Jackson took the kickoff to the house. He sacked Johnson on third and six. Idaho then scores uh, the touchdown to Hayden Hatton. Uh, it was the next drive, and that was Idaho the last time that Idaho had a lead in the game, 35-31 with uh, about nine minutes and some change left. The, so, comment, the comment thread helping us out, Dallas, and Nick Weber, Patrick Ferks, and Taylor Cash, I'll agree with you about Kamari Bailey. Perfect. That's uh, That was the only, the only defensive play that I could even remember uh, at this point is that one sack thinking, hey, the defense finally stopped – Stopped the the SELA or SLU apologies for those those SELA fans or SLU fans in the chat. It's old habit. That was the only defensive play of the game I can think of even having any impact on this game other than a negative one for for Idaho. I think we're all going to have fairly similar answers to this last question. What what did Idaho need to do differently to win this game? Uh, Obviously, we all went in thinking, hey, Idaho is probably going to win this by a touchdown. Obviously, Idaho favored on the road. It is a, a cross-country trip, but Idaho still favored and then end up losing by three in a heartbreaker. What did Idaho need to do differently, Martin? I I think I'll take the obvious one, and Patrick has pointed it out that I like to bring up a lot, and that is wrapping up. Seemed to seem like wrapping up instead of just kind of doing shoulder tackles was, the, was something big that I noticed that they just seem to always have issues with. Is that That's my one thing is that needed to happen. Well, I'm going to stay a little more literal. Idaho was in position to make this a tie game. Ricardo Chavez, this is a little backstory for you guys. This is the second playoff game I've been to that was uh, the result was determined by a kicker slipping mid-attempt. First first time I ever saw this was 1999 in Missoula. Idaho, Montana goes down 30-27 to 27 to Youngstown State. That was back when Montana had a grass field. Hey, guess what happened that very next season for Montana raised money and they had, they've had field turf from 2000 on this game was on field turf. 
Uh, this was one of those rare times where icing the kicker accidentally works because Chavez made his first kick when when uh, SLU called a timeout. Chavez slipped. I mean, I don't know if the field turf was shitty. Like, if a kicker slips, like that's not typically something people blame on the kicker. Like, it's a it's shit luck that happens. This is it happens to be the second time I've seen this in person. Uh, but honestly, look, Idaho's in position to to tie the game still with all the stuff we're talking about, man. Idaho still could have pushed this game to overtime if this game goes to overtime because of how both of those teams are moving the ball this, this could have finished out 74 to 72 just without both neither often neither team's defense is going to be happy with the effort whatsoever so like that that's to me at the literal level make a kick this is still an overtime game um dallas you'll probably hit more on the defensive stuff um but I guess the other thing to me is McCoy. McCoy played a very good game for the most part. He made he made some great passes, had showed some of the presence of mind that we're used to seeing maturity-wise from this redshirt freshman. Uh, McCoy also threw two pretty bad picks. The first one I already talked about in a double coverage while he was getting hit, but it, that was that was going to be picked off unless it was a perfect pass. The second was probably the worst interception I've seen McCoy throw all year. It just happened to be a touchdown to SLU as well. Um, that was in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was right before the Jermaine Jackson brought us back to life with that with that kick return. But you know, Idaho has a few a few bad turnovers. The Hayden Hatton one first play didn't hurt us. Also in the third quarter, man, we love this coaching staff. We almost never question this coaching staff. Yeah, I bet Idaho wishes they hadn't called that damn trick play first possession on third and one deep in their own territory, which it was just Idaho getting too cute. Trick plays have worked sometimes. Guarantee effects on the show. Guarantee if Schleissner's on the show, they say, yeah, we uh, probably should just run that one. That's uh, that's honestly, that's the first one to me is, I'm not going to say that the Idaho staff got outcoached, but they definitely ran into a staff that, that was prepared for everything they were going to do. Um, again, that trick play might have been a cool idea in, th in theory, about the worst place possible to have done it and about the worst time to have done it. You telegraphed it pretty hard in the way that you lined up it, it just that was tough um you so you, you count the three turnovers plus that being a, a three and out that you should not have gone three and out with if you would have just lined up Roshan or even Andre Carter and just punched it right down the middle somebody fall forward quarterback sneak it there uh, honestly quarterback sneak it on third and fourth down and or I guess it was uh, only the fourth down but still you could have found a different way to get that yard you needed without having to dial up a trick play. Um, a shout out to Nick Weber and Taylor cash in the chat saying that the real thing that needed to be changed is that I needed to work the hammer magic a little bit quicker on my, on my jinxing to me. And this is a, this is going to be a spicy hot take. Uh, I, I think what Idaho needed to do differently was play a different quarterback. I, I thought Giovanni McCoy looked very good at times. Giovanni McCoy also looked pretty rough at times. This is perfect to throw it up while Mike Barry says McCoy was incredible, uh, better than when we faced Scott from Incarnate Word. Uh, McCoy looked really rough at times. He was obviously obviously hobbled. He, again, 10 total rushing yards from McCoy when there's been games where he's the second leading rusher on the team. Uh, just did not have the escapability that he's typically. He had one, one good four or five yard run that wasn't he just didn't have anything that was a incredible breakout run like we typically see and then again just some of those throws he wasn't able to get everything on it because he just it, he just didn't look healthy out there and that to me was the biggest question 
Um, I, I don't think McCoy should have played in this game. I think Idaho wins this game if McCoy doesn't play. I, and I know that's tough to say. And, and again, a game that Idaho scored 42 points. But this is really tough when you see the the, the, the kid obviously wants to play. Uh, the only one that was going to hold him out was a coach or a doctor. If he got the all clear, obviously he's going to play. He he nutted it out. The guy is a warrior, but it just it just looked like maybe with a healthier quarterback things things go a little bit better. But like Jonathan Jacobs saying in the chat, once it was clear the game's going to be too close, you can't pull McCoy because it looks like you're panicking. That's absolutely the the problem there. I think once you've made the decision, you're stuck with him unless you're up by thirty or down by thirty. Well, and hey, to be fair, because like I. I I, I don't agree with not starting McCoy based based off how he played through the until those two picks late in the game. Like we knew that McCoy looked different because you could tell like his throwing motion was jacked up compared to what McCoy typically does. But he, those first three quarters, man, he wasn't. It's not like he was missing a ton of passes. It's the picks were what what the picks were the, were the thing that really hurt, especially the pick six at the end. My, heading before those plays, so the overwhelming majority of the game. McCoy was making the throws that he needs to make. And, you know, I bet like, you know, SLU fans in the chat saying, well, yeah, McCoy looked better than the incarnate word, dude. I was just saying, man, he passed the eye test for the opposing fans. They, they may have had no idea the dude had any injury issue at all. And I, I guess the other part too is, you know, we've heard the coaching staff be high on Jack Lane. That's a talk for another day, of course. But look, McCoy hasn't had a, a clusterfuck game. Idaho lost this game partially because of McCoy picks, but we, that wasn't the main reason Idaho lost this game. Idaho still could have won the game, was in position for OT, even with the picks. So, like, I, I don't disagree with the sentiment you're talking about because we know he was clearly not 100%. That's, that was obvious for Idaho fans. But a real tough performance for a dude dealing with an obvious injury. Yeah, and the, you know, my I guess my like my biggest thing is Idaho scored half of their points in the fourth quarter. Like, Idaho had a good stretch of time in most of the second and all of the third where they they the offense just couldn't keep anything moving and that was when i noticed it the most to me obviously the 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 brain dead answer here is the defense needed to tackle better but i was trying not to do something as as quite brain dead as well don't give up 45 points and you win the game so guys obviously we're not going to react to this season too much that's going to come next week uh we'll when we give ourselves a little bit of time this is meant to be more of a, a cathartic us getting our our frustrations out you listening to it hopefully getting a little bit of your frustrations out martin do you have any points you wanted to make that you did not get to get to make so far uh i've got nothing else to add right now brave bold brian marceau anything from you Oh man, shit! There's a ton we could talk about. Like I'm, I'm not going to react to what you talked about with McCoy scoring a ton of his points. Idaho, and we were talking about McCoy scoring a ton of his points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, ditto for <laughs> ditto for SLU too, man. That third quarter for Idaho was one of the most like emotionally draining quarters I I can remember experiencing in a close game. Idaho was outscored seven to zero. That was it. SLU wasn't, they weren't capitalizing in the third quarter quarter either. Uh, that was part, I guess Dallas, that's probably why you had the same reaction. I had a uh, feeling like, man, this is goddamn it. Idaho's going to fall apart. Then the third quarter ends like, Oh, it's seven zero. Well, that's not a big deal whatsoever. This is exact. I mean, it was rough because Idaho had that stop at the, in, at the beginning of the quarter, then looked like Idaho was going to be able to capitalize, uh, you know, increase the lead. And then, you know, we had that, that trick play, you know, a fiasco 
and there you go. But it felt all downhill from there. But that was an electric fourth quarter, man. 21 points from both teams back and forth the whole way. Felt like, honestly, felt like watching uh, old timers who like the, who just like watching Big Sky football might remember Eastern Washington's 2018 team, which made it to the national, the national championship loss to North Dakota State. Man, this felt like that uh, Eastern UC Davis game from 2018. Both teams just scoring back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in the fourth quarter. Every time one side looked like they were they were going to give the game away, someone made plays for Idaho. That was Jermaine, really Jermaine Jackson and Hayden Hatton, of course, both of them. Um, and look, we we haven't even talked about running backs for Idaho that much. And Anthony Woods only seven carries, uh, fifty eight yards. But damn, was Anthony Woods impressive on those seven carries for fifty eight yards? Kind of wish. There's moments where I wish the dude got more touches, but at the same time, Dallas, the team scored 42 points. What the hell are you going to complain about if your team scores 42 points? That's Anthony Woods not getting touches isn't why Idaho lost the game. Idaho lost the game because I think we definitively saw the ceiling of this Idaho football team was to be good, but not great. Uh, Jason Eck and his staff papered over a lot of issues that it's hard to fix in the first year with effective coaching. Uh, there was some timely recruits that, that joined the team as well, but it takes time to build to build an elite football team. And look, Idaho's gonna have to go back. Idaho's already hitting the recruiting trail for some of those positions. But I think I mean the ceiling of this team, Dallas was probably winning this game, maybe winning round two if there's if there's a good matchup. But like there's there was no world where this team wins a final eight game against North Dakota State. So um I guess that's that's another takeaway I'll throw it to you afterward is I feel like that we saw the true ceiling of this team offensively we saw the output everyone hoped we'd see when we heard Jason Eck was going to be head coach at Idaho football. And I mean, shift this back now to how we talked about Idaho in the preseason. Um, our critique, our concerns about Idaho week one. Well, that was what undid Idaho later in later in the season. But part of that is again, it takes time to get more dudes. We brought this up a thousand times. Idaho did not recruit a ton of new DBs. That, that were starting. This was mostly dudes from last year. Well, hey, it was the dudes from last year. Who, it was some of the dudes from last year who got picked on. Um, you know, there's just some position groups where Idaho does not yet have elite talent. They have guys who are doing well. But once you get to the playoffs, if you're not elite, you just you just can't expect to pick up wins. Yeah, Brian, to take this back to your point of of this being kind of the Idaho team that we had we'd hoped that they were going to be good, not great, was what we thought the ceiling of this team was, and I, and I think that's what we got to. Um, obviously in the, the, this week's preview show, we talked about, Hey, we, we think we can get past Sela, And if we do, that lines up with Samford who does, yeah, they're, they're going to carve up Idaho's secondary, but Idaho's weakness is the front seven now, obviously. I mean, uh, yes, the, the corner rotating outside of Marcus Harris, it was a couple different guys that got in there today. And, and that was obviously where, where Sela was throwing the ball was away from Marcus Harris, but it lined up looking like, hey, Idaho could win a couple games here. Yes, you're going to run into a buzzsaw against North Dakota State, and realistically, you have no chance in that game. They're going to run it all over you. Obviously, we didn't even get there. We, we first round exit, but this does line up with exactly kind of what we what best case scenario of of year one of Jason Eck was going to be. Turn around a team that has not made the playoffs since dropping back to the FCS make the playoffs fantastic and hope hope you you've built now something to to grow upon moving forward i want to shout out chris sal from uh an slu fan jumping into the comments saying if this was in the kibbe dome as an slu fan 
this would not have been close Idaho by 20. I think that's probably why a lot of Idaho fans are frustrated. These were two teams that were obviously pretty close. Um, I think Idaho fans are frustrated that this is the worst performance Idaho had of the season, the worst they, they'd played on the road this season. It was a lot of Idaho's worsts, and I don't know enough about SLU to say, hey, this was the best game they'd played or one of the best games they'd played. If it was, hey, kudos to them for timing it out right. If it wasn't one of the best, it was just another game of theirs. Hey, congrats. You went in and, and beat a team that, I mean, odds makers had Idaho favored. On the road, Idaho was favored. So hats off to those guys. At the end of the day, like this sucks. It's frustrating. It, it hurts, but this hurts a whole lot better than getting shit canned by Eastern by 50 points last year. One year later, Idaho, Idaho made the playoffs guys. This is going to be one of the best program or one of the best seasons in school history. I'm not too devastated by it, but we'll recap all of this on Tuesday. Going once, going twice for final thoughts, gentlemen. Brian, Brian you're muted. God damn it. It's just Christ. Just had to happen, guys. So, okay, Chris, Chris, it wouldn't be a recap show if we didn't have amateur hour. So, Martin, where's that ticker? Uh, Chris, out in the comment section, take five. Um, he says, if this is y'all's worst, then we got lucky. This is one of SLU's better performances, in my opinion. Look, SLU looked offensively looked great. That cannot possibly be. which goes for like goes for all the comments we've said obviously the team look both teams look good offensively neither looked effective defensively how like how do you rate this loss like i mean obviously the playoff itself makes it hurt a little more because it means our season is over but you know throughout the season look the the wsu indiana loss has hurt zero percent because idaho was supposed to get their ass kicked and stay close the Sacramento State loss uh, that could have hurt had Idaho not clawed back to keep it respectable. Uh, UC Davis lost to me that hurt a bit because it felt like we really saw the ceiling of what Idaho is. I hate this loss because it's playoffs, but there was a lot of good stuff Idaho saw. You know, and, and again, uh, Chris Sal in the comments section said, "Hey, you know, if this was in Moscow, Idaho probably wins." Makes me a little bit pissed about the difficulty Idaho is going to have during Apple Cup weekends of hosting a big of hosting a playoff game. Uh, which is only an every other year thing. And that means Idaho get goddamn seeds. Um, what we, from our understanding, Idaho put in a pretty competitive bid and it's likely accommodation issues about why SLU was picked over Idaho because with short notice, you, you guys all know the difficulty getting the hotels in the Palouse for any normal weekend game. Uh, Apple cup makes it that much worse. So kind of pissed if that's, if that's, uh, that is the reason. Idaho didn't get that because there's nothing. Vandals can't do anything about that. Like, what we're going to build like 15 new hotels for one weekend just for the years Idaho makes the playoffs. Uh, but I guess that was, after that long filibuster, dude, where do you rate this as a loss for like how much it hurts? I mean, right now it's about an eight. It hurts like a bitch because I I really thought if Idaho gets past this game, they're going to punch Sanford in the mouth. They're going to win that game. Uh, I I hope Sila goes on and wins that game. I I thought. Looking at it like this lined up, Idaho got a draw. Could you imagine winning two playoff games in the first year with a new head coach after years of just being numb to the pain? Uh, and so it I'd give it an eight. It hurts a lot. It doesn't hurt like Eastern did last year. It hurts in a different way, but 
it's nice to like it's nice to be bought back in it's nice to be invested it's nice to it's nice to think honestly that idaho has a chance to win just about every game that they're in instead of at multiple points in the last four years it was quite obvious that no idaho could not compete with the top of the big sky or even sometimes the middle of the big sky so you know it doesn't really hurt that much it does but come tuesday i will be looking at this uh, as as martin would sunshine and rainbows thinking how great this was the the part that hurts for me other than the fact of the season being over is yeah we, we've touched on it multiple times SLU is good, but there's so many ways you replay this game and Idaho wins. Three-point games, so many things can just break a little bit different, which, like, SLU fans can say the same damn thing because it was a close game. But, man, you know, Chavez doesn't slip, and it's it's OT. Or, you know, McCoy is – McCoy just doesn't throw that worst pick of the season, which I'm not going to blame the injury on that worst pick. Dude was staring that pass down, and there were – there were two guys there. It just, that was just not the read. That was just, just the wrong pass. But, you know, McCoy, McCoy's kicked ass for a lot of the season. He won freshman of the year in the big sky because he deserved to win freshman of the year in the big sky. He still acquitted himself fine for a lot of this game. But there's so many different ways you can look at this game, Dallas, where you feel like, God damn it, Idaho still should be in here. This, this was I mean, a, a good team and a winnable game. Patty mentions it. If Hatton holds onto the ball on the opening possession, and I'm not saying that to, to, downgrade Hayden Hatton. The guy had one of the best seasons I've ever seen. Um, certainly the best receiver season I've seen outside of Cooper Cup. Hatton holds onto that ball in the opening possession. This might be a completely different game. It, all you know, all you can do is sit here and, and chalk up. There's so many different places that Idaho had to make mistakes. And it's frustrating to see how close the game was yeah. when Idaho makes bad turnovers, questionable coaching decisions, terrible tackling, Again, the turnovers. Again, the turnovers. Like it just, it just happened to be real awful. Yeah, Chris, out in the comment section section does bring up a reasonable point for Vandal fans to hold on to. McCoy got bailed out of a pretty bad pick uh, on a roughing the passer call that was, let's just say, not the roughest roughing the passer mm-hmm. call any of us are going to see. So that's why, why again, bring up in a close game. Both teams are going to be able to point to how this could have been a 10 point game or how this could have been a 10 point game in the opposite direction. You know, Idaho, no matter what you look at, like I obviously everyone's going to be pissed about some calls, but like for, for the Idaho end, Idaho can't blame this loss on the refs for the SLU end. Also like SLU can't blame the fact they needed a slip on the kick on the last play for Idaho for this to stay out of overtime. It was two good teams who uh, it was strength on weakness, strength on weakness for both. Um, it's good to be in a place where you're disappointed about Idaho losing to a good team because you feel like they should have won. But you know, when when we're in the playoffs, as long as we're not matched up against the Pioneer Conference team, it's going to be tough to win with uh, what was objectively the worst defensive performance of the season. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and are ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the Main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. Check out special trips... Jesus. Check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower, camp on pristine bitches, run amazing white water, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, 
soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Jesus Christ. I man, I sometimes I just gotta I gotta record one of those or something. Just really like go into the deep like trailer voice and just record the thing, and then we can play it. That way, I don't fuck it up all the time. Anyways, gentlemen, uh, Lion for Life here saying uh, their staff said all week they thought they could get a couple of interceptions because of the way McCoy stares down receivers. So again, the tape is out there, guys. We've talked about this that McCoy has a tendency to go one, two, and go. And unfortunately, it sounds like the, the Lions saw that as well. Hopefully, again, uh, we are, we know the coaching staff is very high on Jack Lane. Hopefully next year, either McCoy takes that step forward. If Lane wins the job, hopefully he's not doing the stare down thing. Hopefully we, we clear that out. I got to give a special shout out to Christy Mayer. Hashtag pristine bitches. Uh, gentlemen, I think we have one last ad read to do before we, we adjourn. Brian, you're muted again. For the love of God, Okay, so Martin, can you do me a favor? Can you hold hold your piece up? Okay, uh, second second sponsor for us, Nick Davis. That's an exact. Martin's holding up his Grumpy Joe. Nick Davis does kick ass vandal inspired metal work. He does originals, uh, kind of like that King Spud over Mar- Martin's left hand right there in the background, in between a couple framed jerseys. He also does does officially licensed stuff like the Grumpy Joe Martin's holding. He does the the Flaming Heads logo. He does the eye logo, which is behind Dallas's shoulder. If you're re- willing to stare very hard in Dallas's direction, if you're interested in uh, any of Nick Davis's work for your house, which you should be, if you have a clue, we all have metal stuff from from Nick Davis because his work only kicks ass. It is the best. Yeah, it, but again, it's not close. It is not close. Nick Davis does the best vandal stuff uh, that you could put inside your house. So, uh, get in contact with us. Uh, in contact with us on Twitter at at tubs of the club, or dude, send us an email at tubs of the club at gmail.com. We'll get you connected. Uh, Nick Davis said for the King spud he has, which Dallas is holding right now. If Martin wants to zoom in on Dallas, uh, Dallas is cuddling with his King spud, uh, 75 bucks for the King spud that counts shipping. King spud is a one of a kind. You cannot get it anywhere else whatsoever. So uh, yeah, thank Nick Davis. Show him his work. Show him his work kicks ass. Get in contact with us. There's a picture of him on the screen right now making them. So he does a lot. He does. It is. It's cool to see his work. Yeah. So there you go. All right, guys. Closing the book. Forty-five, forty-two. I think just from the first off, we had more live viewers than I think we've ever had before. Shout out to all the people that were hanging out in the comment threads tonight, both on the Idaho and the Lions side. Um, I think both teams can agree maybe didn't quite go the way anybody thought it would um again 45 42 is probably not how anybody wants to draw it up but at the end of the day congrats to the the southeastern louisiana lions moving on after taking down the idaho vandals 45 42 last thoughts guys before we close this up well on the bright side for idaho uh, at least our game's going better than Montana. Montana's down 17 to 3 right now at home to southeast missouri state so uh Idaho's got that going for us. Otherwise, I mean, this is one of those at those games where I could talk for hours and hours. There's so much different shit to get into on this. Um, but the takeaway for me here is that 
it's look, it sucks to lose every, if you make the playoffs, all but one team, your season ends on a loss. That's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. Nick, Nick Weber, not Nick Davis, Nick Weber brought it up in our comment thread. That's just how it goes. You make the playoffs. The math says your season's going to end in heartbreak, but look, I mean, Idaho had a kick-ass season. This isn't the, this isn't the reaction episode for the entire season, but man, you were, I was glued to my, my damn seat that entire game. The fact that we get to unironically watch this team now because there's not this annoying thing and we get to not even address the annoying thing anymore anymore because that's that's been done for an entire season. Mm -hmm. The team, the team and coaching staff came together for you know to re reach out to the community all season and after what happened in Moscow, of course. Kick ass effort offensively. Man, there's just you just hate that this is how it goes out, especially when the offense clicked like it did. Because throughout the year, you could just see this team is getting better and better offensively. That was the slowest thing to develop, which was not exactly a shock. But season's done. It was a kick-ass season. Look, maybe that's the last question for you, Dallas. Where do you rate this in terms of how a fun season? Of not that season, anything, but like how how fun? How where do you rate this as far as a fun season for you, dude? If we're giving numbers 10, if we're giving letters A plus, this is the most fun I've had since the 2009 Humanitarian Bowl team. I know that the 2016 team won a bowl game. I did not enjoy that season as much because we almost lost to an FCS school right off the bat. Every, every, uh, yes, at the time, a bad FCS school. Every single win that year was against a team that was pretty bad. Um, so it was just too like nerve wracking for me uh, to really like just have let go and had fun the way I did this year. Guys, 10 years from now, this team is going to be back in the dome. They're going to throw them up on the board and say, hey, 10 years ago, Idaho's first trip back to the playoffs in 20 years or whatever. Like, This is going to be a team that does get celebrated for, for quite a long time. And while it really sucks right now, it is important to remember that this was just a lot of fun. And it's especially important to remember it was fun because while we are going to pivot to transfer portal watch and recruit watch, it does mean that we start after talking about Vandal men's basketball soon. So our viewership is going to tank because nobody we're all going on diets that. now. So veggie time is upon us, unfortunately. So remember the good times. Remember football. Remember how much fun this was. Remember yeah, Nick, how much you like the University of Idaho. Yeah, Nick Weber in the comments section, he says this season was tied for number one. Number one with him for him in the other season was 1998. I'm going to guess that's the first humanitarian bull season. Yeah, dude, that, that was the thing that I just kept walking away from all the games this year, just like floored with how fun it was. And that's that is what the real heartbreak is now is the rides come to a close. It was a kick ass ride. We all knew it was going to end at some time. That time's today. So if you're interested in, in what we do and want to be a little bit closer to not just the show, but you know, hang out with people that have the similar interest and want to talk more vandals, get some more breaking news as we kind of break it to our Patreons first, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. We have a discord. That's where we keep most of our chat and most of our breaking news inside of, uh, feel free to check us out there. Again, we will be trying to keep you up to date with recruits with transfers. Cause obviously there's going to be guys transfer out of the program. There's going to be guys transfer into the program. We're going to give, give, everything we can about that we're going to talk women's basketball and eventually we're going to talk men's basketball too but let's think about that another day this is supposed to be a celebration of a great season by vandal football go vandals 
Go Vandals. Nick Weber, veggies with the nutrition value of Snickers. Jesus Christ, I'm dying over here, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> Go That's Vandals. so true. Motherfucker. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.